Roots to Rocket Science podcast is an exploration of the universe at large through the lens of two skincare entrepreneurs with vastly different backgrounds. Each week, master esthetician Natalie Novak and former Boeing engineer and literal rocket scientist Ron Webb will tackle topics from beauty and health to everything else. This week marks our very first episode in which we'll be discussing the origins of KPS, our founders' backgrounds, and the current state of the organic skincare industry. So Natalie, tell us, why KPS? You know, it started in 1987 when I was living in California and I was working at a high-end department store selling high-end cosmetics and of course California is known for their earthquakes. Um, I went up to the stock room to replenish stock one day and we had had a large earthquake that morning and I noticed that one of the products that was designed for your face actually fell off the top shelf. It broke, it ate through the carpet as well as the carpet padding, exposing, you know, a, a hole, you know, in the floor that was about a foot in, you know, diameter. And immediately the first thing that came to my mind was, oh my God, is this legal? Like, how is this possible? This is a product designed for the body and it's eating through the freaking floor. Like, I just, thought this is this is wrong and there's a gap in the industry and there has to be more to this. So as I started researching, I learned that the FDA doesn't regulate these products at all, which I was astonished by. I also learned that these huge conglomerates are they're able to put whatever chemicals and products, you know, or ingredients in these products that they want and because again it's not regulated, it means that there's a lot of crap in skincare. And ironically, a few months later, my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer. So really made me think full circle, like what we put on our largest organ, our skin really does affect our health. And so at that point, I was obsessed with reading um, the ingredient or the cosmetics ingredient Bible. Um, it was a really great book and it told me, it taught me a lot about you know what each ingredient is like for instance amidalized urea you find in almost every skincare brand on the market and what what it boils down to is that it's cow urine and they use it as a preservative and i just thought that was disgusting so i had to become an esthetician and from there i became a massage therapist and i learned you know really got more in depth in understanding aromatherapy and what the value is there with essential oils and over the years i just kept educating myself on this topic and then it was interesting because several years later, I find myself living on my organic farm in Michigan with my two children and my 26 alpacas and 75 chickens. And my daughter, Kiki, wants to paint her nails every day, changing the color. And I thought, wow, this does not at all relate to our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is so healthy. You know, you went out and you collected the eggs from the chicken coop this morning and then you collected the produce from the garden and now you want to paint your nails with these toxic ingredients. And so I thought, well, let me just check Whole Foods or Amazon. There's got to be a product on the market that is safe for her to paint her nails. And there actually wasn't. This was in 2007. And so I realized that, again, there was another gap in the market that we've got to create products that are safe. And I wanted to find something that was, that I felt good about her using and there really wasn't anything. So I just decided to start creating things on my farm from things that I had grown like lavender and mint and different herbs and things like that. And I started in my kitchen with my blender and I just started creating products for her. And that led to having, you know, a spa themed birthday party for her. And from there it led to launching the brand called Kiki Pure and Simple, named after my daughter Kiana, who we always had nicknamed her Kiki. And, you know, that's a brand that's been on the market since 2009. I launched it um, into Whole Foods, and from there it's grown. But, you know, at that point, I realized that I was approaching 50 fast, and I needed a product for myself, but it absolutely had to have efficacy. It had to have food-grade organic ingredients because I knew the challenge of these chemicals, how they affected the body, how they affected women's hormones, how they disrupt hormones, um, how it all these chemicals also um, can cause autoimmune issues. And then 
and it, you know, it also causes cancer. So I really knew that something had to be done. So I did more research and I had talked to many chemists and they thought I was crazy. They told me I couldn't do it. They said that you cannot create skincare without chemical preservatives because this is the way it's been done for you know the last 50 years and this is the way it's going to continue to be done but I so it always has to have cow urine in it it was basically yeah. <laughs> their, their right? take on it okay exactly so i knew in my heart that there was more to this i knew there had to be a way and so i kept searching and searching and then in 2012 i was lucky enough to meet ron because he literally rocked my world because he was the one that was telling me that yes this can be done and i have the technology okay so let's talk about that a little bit ron uh how does a rocket scientist decide to make the leap into skincare um and what what sort of drove that decision because i'm sure you got some strange looks you know when you yeah, made that career flop that's <laughs> a lot of people calling me up saying you know what are you doing so yeah, that, well, it was interesting. What really got me to make the leap was I was, I've, I had three tech technology companies and the reason I've got three technology companies and the reason I have this is my friends who are my, um, they're my business partners in these technology companies. We were at one of their houses and we were filling up their garage with food that we'd fill up during the week and then we would distribute it in the weekends and we kept doing that. And I was over there and I said, hey, you know, we should quit doing this. And they both stopped with this look like, what do you mean? And how, you know, why, why, what do you, you know, we can't stop doing this. This is what we're about. And I said, look, between the three of us, we have enough intellectual property to, to really give that big. Um, so was it sort of like a, um, uh, oh, what's that program called? It's like a kids food basket or something mm -hmm. like that. It's something, something like that, but it's just for families. And what okay. we were doing was, um, at the, at the time, all three of us were vegan. I'm, I still eat a little bit of meat now, but, um, they they still are both vegan, but, uh, we were, you know, making like tofu eggs and, and, um, and beans and rices and pastas and all these things trying to keep you know if we're going to give food away we're going to make healthy food right mm -hmm. so that's that's what we were doing and we were giving it to families so it was it's families that you know they had kids and they just couldn't make ends meet so we just we just gave food to them and then eventually what we were doing is we were creating these organizations that uh, other nonprofits would come in and say hey they would try and start nonprofits around what we did um, and we were going, which you have to be a little bit careful about because, you know, sometimes the management fees and nonprofits can go high and, and they turn into, they turn into, uh, money generators and not, you know, helpers, but we made sure that everybody was on the, you know, like-minded. Um, but the, the, I had a specific background. I mean, back when 87, when she was dealing with the earthquake and in, um, in, that big department store. I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but I won't if you didn't. Um, <laughs> Beef White. Yeah. yeah, they're they're a great store. I have no problem with them, and they have no you know they had nothing to do with those products. They just have sold them. But back in '87, um, I was in that earthquake too. Uh, it was in the morning, and uh, it actually not my my boss tried to grab a post to hang on to, and the post was moving about it foot and a half it just oh geez. and it knocked him through him about 10 feet across the room and what I was doing at the time was I was I was probably six months into the aerospace world I had started in 87 in March and that was later in the year and um, I was on the Delta II rocket and that was that used to be an old Thor IC, ICBM um, and in 84, they had a shuttle disaster, which totally took out our space and launch capability for the US. That was the Challenger, right? Yeah. And that turned out to be um, what, what I had got hired onto Boeing to work something called Future Combat Systems, which is kind of a military thing that I didn't get, I ended up kind of backing away from. But I started, I got into, I got involved in resurrecting the Delta launch vehicle, um, which used to be NASA's workhorse for satellites. 
and the Air Force's workhorse for the satellites, and then we did commercial too. Um, we resurrected that and redesigned it into the Delta II. We had more capability. We had solid rocket motors and all that kind of stuff. But that was my that was my background, and I had worked through from rockets to space station to satellites back to rockets. So I've developed three different rocket platforms, space station platform, whole bunch of development. So that development is all about. You know, you come up with concepts, you you design, you build concepts, and you test. Um, well, at the same time, um, my mother, who was very dyslexic, I'm also dyslexic, um, but my mother, she was going through getting a, getting, getting a physiology degree, and I had read all of her books to her, um, so I was very versed in human physiology. Getting um, a co-education. Exactly. And then in, let's see, 91, she ended up going, and I'm going to, I'm just, there was a bunch of things that she ended up doing with this. So one, one is she did mapping of the genome, which I got pulled in on, which was fun. Um, she did uh, plant drug research, which turned out to be a real asset to KPS because we use plants and plants are a great source for pharmaceuticals. They really should be using the plants, but what they do is they find certain compounds and then synthesize them. Um, which when you do that, those compounds are typically a more broad spectrum look at the world and then they synthesize them and then they, they narrow it down. And when you narrow things down, sometimes you cause secondary effects and that's what happens with the, you know, secondary effects with drugs, so these side effects, and, you know, sometimes they say including death, you know, or, or you know, you right. might lose your Just eyesight or little things or like something that. like that. And, and those types of things, they're, you know, they wind up in, in the medical industry, they wind up in skincare, they wind up all over the place. Um, so anyway, so I worked on all these biological sciences. And the, the one that really got me involved in skincare was my mother became semi-retired. She was still working as a consultant in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, she bought a ranch in Payson, Utah, and she had 35 Arabian horses. And these things would have accidents. They would have a lot of wounds. Um, some, the worst I've, I'd seen was about the size of volleyball. And we started developing creams and salves and sprays for horses um, because for her they were her they were like her kids i mean more so than her kids they were her kids very expensive kids too. very expensive kids yes they were <laughs> some of them extremely expensive she had a russian horse that uh, unbelievably expensive but the um you know she wasn't going to put them down and the vet looked at these wounds and said you know i'm sorry we're going to have to put this animal down and she was not going to do it. Um, so what we did was start developing these, these creams and salves and we ended up with a cream that literally the, the hair and the skin grew back without scarring. And you could shave the hair down and take a look and say, wow, what's going on here? So <clears throat> I knew we were onto something and it took me years to figure out, you know, what the mechanism was and how things were actually working. But once we did, I started off, I started a company back when I was in the garage with my buddies. And I said, hey, I told them, I said, one of the things I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get out of the aerospace company and I'm gonna take the lead and I'm gonna go with KPS. Well, it, there was no KPS at the time. I started a company called Nature's Intent. And well, there was a KPS, but I wasn't involved with it, I'll put it that way. Um, and then um, started a company and then I ended up going to Grand Rapids for a company here that built a bunch of uh, avionics for a bunch of Boeing military and commercial platforms. Um, so I was working with that company for about nine months. I got them to root cause. We fixed all that stuff. And uh, in the meantime, I met Natalie, who had some inroads into the skincare company. And she was very like-minded with respect to keeping things clean, doing things right. And the thing that I noticed about her more than anything was she was a complete zealot. Like there was no way I could get her to move off that mark, you know? Yeah. And I knew it, it, there's one thing if you get involved with somebody and they might say, well, yeah, we'll cheat on this or cheat on that. That's not good enough. 
Um, but she was literally so, so much of a zealot that I just, I knew that it was okay to partner with her. I told her about my technology. She didn't believe anything I told her. <laughs> I told her what my background was. She didn't believe that. Mm -hmm. um, she didn't believe any of that up until she ended up coming in. Uh, I think my boss at the time came in town, came to town, and I got called off onto another, another, uh, another phone call. And I think at the time he was telling her something like, "Yeah, Ron can pretty much do anything." And I think that was the time that you were like, okay, so maybe he's not full of BS. And um, at that point, we started talking about, you know, the future of skincare, the future of KPS, how we could how we could make this work. You know, we tried, we were we were pushing Kiki Brand Simple for a while, and Natalie, Natalie started talking about, hey, let's get let's get a, a line for for me. Let's bring in bring in technology and and make this work. So that that's the, my other half of this story. And that's how we met. That's how I joined Kiki Pure and Simple. And then we ended up consolidating that and moving forward with KPS Essentials. And uh, then we, we, you know, KPS is about being kind, being pure and being smart. So, and every one of those things are something that I would, I would absolutely say that we are. Um, you know, smart, we've got We've got technology that's unbeatable. Um, we do it in a way that, we do extractions in a way that um, they're clean. They, they give you efficacy that the body, it actually works in conjunction with your body as opposed to, you know, forcing your body to do something which causes an imbalance. Um, mm -hmm. We just work the way the, na the body naturally works. And most of that is through nutrition. Most of that is through, which would be minerals and vitamins and, and different, different um, uh, nutrients that your body needs, specifically your skin. Well, so that, that actually brings us to a great segue of, earlier today you were talking about sort of the state of skincare and organic skincare. And, uh, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about what, how what you're doing differently is affecting the skincare industry and and how do you expect that that's going to be received how do you expect that your competitors are going to react if at all when they are kind yeah. of you know something that you said earlier was that we won't accept a little give on this or a little give on that you know a little carcinogen here or there you <laughs> yeah. know so how how is that changing the industry well i oh go ahead Either way, I, the way I look at it is this: um, first of all, we're just gonna we're we use the ingredients that we're using is because for what for one reason, and that's all about efficacy. There isn't a there isn't an ingredient in our in our ingredient deck that isn't about efficacy, um, and so so no fillers, no fillers, no, no. nonsense. And um, you take an entirely different approach because. As we were talking about earlier, a lot of skincare brands maybe only have 5% of good active ingredients and the rest is water or maybe 10%. But if you look at the efficacy behind our products, you can understand where that comes from when you read the ingredient deck, for instance, when you look at the box and you read what it says. And for instance, like our um, pomegranate oil, right? So we could choose to buy, you know, like cosmetic grade pomegranate oil. It might cost what, like eighty dollars a barrel or something. Yeah, it's it is a fraction of what we pay right. for organic. But we choose to buy food grade organic pomegranate oil, which is about nine hundred dollars. And there's yeah. a oh, massive just a little difference. bit of a difference there. Yeah. You know what? We do that. It's a lot more challenging because we're dealing with a lot more challenges with that particular product because it is food yeah. grade it's harder to formulate um, they you know they they basically extract all the nutrients out if, if you look at there's okay. a lot of minerals and things that you might find in a natural in, in a natural ingredient mm -hmm. um, and that can mess with formulations so what they end up doing is they strip all of that out um, which is all the things that your body needs mm -hmm. and you're you've got an issue at that point, um, because you're not getting the nutrients, you're not going to get the efficacy. So one of the things I did before I even got into the skincare industry is I looked at everybody's products 
and I just, I wrote down, I, I get a, I created a database of all the ingredients that all the products use. And here's the way skincare works. Um, I, most skincare, and when Natalie was saying, hey, there's only five to 10% um, goodness in a, in a skincare product, that's in the best companies. Mm -hmm. right. Most skincare doesn't have that at all. What they do is they try and occlude your skin with, with what I would consider a lubricant, which could be something that you could get out of your car, like a silicon, um, yeah, a, a glycol. Like, you know, you, you drink a glycol, you're dead and you're gonna put it on your skincare. You know, if you are if you change your radiator fluid, don't you've ever heard, don't leave that. Cats love to drink it mm -hmm. and you your cat drinks it, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So we've got radiator fluid, oil, and cow piss in uh, yeah. your average. So, but what that's now, okay. doing is it's it's occluding your skin. It puts a small layer of, of a petroleum product on your skin, which slows moisture loss. And it turns out that, you know, doing the wound care, um, water and moisture in your body is key to healing. And it's also key to anything else. And some of the things that we do with our skincare is if you go, if you look at our before and afters, we have scars that are really bad and within, you know, 20 days to 30 days, they're gone. You can't see them. Um, that's your skin doing what it's supposed to do. But what these, anyways, back to the, back to my point with what they're doing is they're occluding your skin and slowing transdermal water loss. That is the majority of skincare. Now the, the organic side of that, they do the same thing. Now some organic companies, that's when you get into the goodness and they'll have extracts from different plants and, and you're going to get some nutrients from that. So that's a good thing. But these, the, there's kind of a stigma with organic skincare is that it doesn't quite work as well as petroleum-based. And the reason it doesn't work as well as petroleum-based is the petroleum-based products will occlude your skin for longer than say an olive oil or a coconut oil or whatever oils are in skincare. Um, so, and your body absorbs those natural oils. And what all you're doing is adding some oil to your skin, um, mm -hmm. which is better than doing nothing but what I want to do is I want to provide the nutrients that should be in your food supply on your skin. This, the nutrients specifically there that your skin uses for elasticity, for um, you know, anti-wrinkle, for, for, for water storage, all sorts of things. Um, so we have those specific ingredients in there, those specific nutrients in there. In addition to that, there's some natural triggers in your skin that you can turn on, turn off just with nutrients, just because those nutrients happen to be there mm -hmm. um, that will add volume back in your skin, that will get rid of wrinkles. Um, those things there, um, I don't know why the industry is not using them, although well, yes, we do. they're it's hard expensive. to extract, number expensive. one. Yeah. But why wouldn't you do it? Uh, it you mean, well, like I, Natalie was just saying, it all goes back to money, right? Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. it always goes back to money. Mm -hmm. But if you, it, but my philosophy is performance, performance, performance. I came out of an industry that, you know, if NASA says, you know, you, we want to put that rocket in this orbit plus or minus X, right? And if we take that plus or minus um, tolerance and you turn it down to something very, very small, that that satellite will stay in orbit for you know two to four years longer. And it would, which you know when, when you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars to even some of these satellites, uh, depending on what they are, could be you could have a four billion dollar satellite. You know you could have a Hubble Space Telescope out there. Um, and you don't want to sit there and go, well, now I've got to create another Hubble Space Telescope. And so that extra performance buys you something. That's what I want to bring to this industry is I want to compete on performance. I don't care what the industry's doing. I want to, if you use our stuff and you say, oh my God, I look younger or, or you know, we're, we're, we're talking to women about C-section scars and how we're getting rid of C-section scars and, you know, scars on your neck and your face and your hands and your body, um, getting rid of eczema, getting rid of uh, psoriasis. And this isn't, you know, us as a medicine. This is your skin doing what it's supposed to do. 
with the nutrients that it's provided. Well, and in relation to that, I feel, well, and I know you do as well, but this is why our products are working so well. Because if you look at our food supply, it is so adulterated, which means that it doesn't contain the minerals and the vitamins that it used to. Mm -hmm. And now we are all walking around very deficient in a lot of different aspects. And that's why you're seeing more cancer. You're seeing more autoimmune disorders. There's just, it just has skyrocketed <laughs> as far as this disease situation. And so when you look at the amount of nutrition, vitamins, and minerals in our products, that is why, or one of the reasons why, besides your technology, yeah, for that, sure, that our products work so well if because you could, we're feeding the body bioavailability. Right, mm -hmm. and that's yeah, and that's that's an interesting point because a lot of the a lot of the the problem with the skincare industry is is bioavailability of nutrients. Right, I mean that's mm -hmm. the problem I was trying to that's the solution I was trying to bring may not be the problem but the, the overall problem is we're depleted in, in minerals and nutrients okay right. so your skincare is almost acting as like a supplement it, it, it is, is it is a supplement and you might be able to think well, well I can supplement my way into that just but you can't because there's bioavailability bio issues again just with supplementation mm -hmm. and I really want to get into supplementation at some point in my life um, potentially through KPS. I don't know, maybe we'll do that. But So why do you think that there is such a pushback in the idea? You know, people, um, especially in the U.S., we're such a pill-popping society where we think, I'm going to get a pill, it's going to solve them, right? Yeah. So why is there such a stigma against the organic skincare where, as you're saying, it's like a supplement, right? And it's healthy, it's, you know, it's organic, it's natural in what you're doing. Why, why do you think there's more of a pushback with that than there is with taking a a fish oil pill for example well I, I honestly believe it's I think that organic skincare and and petroleum-based skincare for that matter they they really don't work that well mm -hmm. in general so you know if someone says well I've got a skin problem where am I gonna go they think I have to go to my dermatologist and get X you know um, Often steroid creams, and correct? Really, right. really potent yeah, it, things. Yeah, one of the yeah. first, one of the first eczema patients that we dealt with, they were on a um, Dupixin, which mm -hmm. is how much was thirty-seven thousand dollars a year? Thirty-seven thousand dollars. Okay, self-injecting. And she was doing this. You know, she was doing this for a long period of time, and her eczema was so bad that after she got out of work, she would come home, sit there, and not go outside. Well, she was also on prednisone too. She was yeah. on a multitude of medications that just did and not help. She, it was, you know, talking about that stigma, she was reluctant, number one, to come in here and, and have a treatment to get a facial. So, because everything burnt her yeah. skin so bad that it was so painful, she just couldn't tolerate it. Because she just wasn't worth the risk. She basically she had exactly. open sores on her skin, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We, we solved most of that with a 45 minute treatment. And, and she Insane. looked at us yeah. afterwards and she said, oh my God, um, she looked at me and she said, can I quit cold turkey on my, on my steroids? And I'm like, okay. I would wean, it, you know, I'm not giving you medical advice because I didn't want to be in that position, but it's mm -hmm. like, okay, look, you know, I would, I would talk to your doctor about weaning yourself off of this because your skin is no longer dealing with the same problems after 45 minutes. And oh, by the way, here's the home treatments for this and you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, she cold turkey that that night and I did not tell her to do that. I'm like, talk to your doctor. I, I, I'm not going right. to be that That's guy, right? right? You know, yeah. Yeah. There's but there. there was no issue with doing that whatsoever. And, and she literally, and so that's, I, I believe that's where that stigma comes from mm -hmm. is, hey, if you got a skin problem, where are you going? I'm going to my, going to my doctor. And the good thing is doctors use our stuff now. Yeah. And they come to us yeah. with different cases that they've had trouble treating. So they want to know how can we partner with KPS to see how together we can solve these problems. And I'm talking yeah. about things like, you know, hydronitis separativa or um, hypertropic lichen planus or lichen sclerosis yeah. or severe cases of you know environmental acne or bacterial acne or all these even hormonal acne for that matter mm -hmm. and 
it's really interesting that, you know, if you talk about KPS and you compare it to other brands, going back to your question, there really is no comparison to any other brands because there really isn't anything else like KPS on the market, you know, in relation to the amount of nutrition, vitamins, and minerals that we put in this product. Bring your dog to work. Random grunting or pawing. She does. Yeah, she sees her out there. Yeah, we have two cute, very, very awesome dogs in here. We're <laughs> very we're dog, brand. very yeah. dog friendly company. That's right. But yeah, um, keep the doggy daycare in. So I, I did want to ask one additional question. So when you're when you're sort of flying in the face of traditional norms in an industry, you know there are a lot of things that happen. Number one is somebody will usually try to knock you, you know, and say, right. oh, you're not doing what you say you're right. doing, something like that. But have you guys ever run into a situation where any of these larger brands have approached you to say, we want what you have? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Day one. <laughs> day one. We literally were approached by a mega brand the day we um, we walked into Indie Beauty in New York in 2016, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we launched KPS Essentials right then and there, and we were handed by Executive VP a, a card saying, "You have disrupted technology in this industry. We want in." Mm -hmm. And I said, um, "This is what our sales are right now. If you understand that." And they said, "We." They went back and they did. They caucused about it, and they said, "Okay, um, we typically don't do this, but we still want in." And interesting. And, and so they saw the. Instantly, mm -hmm. they yeah. saw the value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if that. I mean, it looks to me that a lot of these type of companies are buying companies like ours to put the to put them to extinguish them, potentially. I um, mean, that can still be a big payday for you, though. So why not? Why not go for it? That's not you what know, I got we're, in here. We're here to pioneer <laughs> yeah. the clean beauty industry. We are the truth tellers in the industry, and we are gathering other like-minded skincare brands along with us to really make a dent in the universe. I mean, mm -hmm. we're not just about, for us it's not about the money, it's about, you know, A, we give back through our foundation, our 501c3, which is called the Spirit of Compassion, to Hello Gorgeous, because that's an organization that helps women with cancer, so every time somebody purchases KPS, they're helping a woman with cancer, and we're very proud of that. But, you know, it's just, it's not just for us it's just so much more it really it's about giving and helping others with these severe skin conditions or what you call wrong as orphan skin conditions that are left behind you know i think that we're both so passionate about being able and, to help and i've always kind of had this philosophy is it's okay to do something different mm -hmm. number one number two if you do something different and it works and it's better if this industry changes and we're responsible for that mm -hmm. i'm okay with that um now I'd like to be able to, you know, grow this company just like everybody else and, you know, give back and do wonderful things. And I've got three tech companies to do that. So, uh, you know, if, if, if this, there's one thing, if we got absorbed and we, and that technology was hidden, distinguished, extinguished or, or whatever, I would not want that. Um, mm -hmm. And then if they, you know, if I sign a non-compete and I can't go back into the industry to fix it. I'm not going that way. If they were like, yeah, we love this technology, we're gonna bring it, you know, ubiquitous ubiquitous across all of our lines and and raise the bar with skincare, I might accept that. Um, yeah. but I don't think that's what happens mm -hmm. in this industry. I think they, they get new up and coming companies and they they if they see competition against their own brand, they will mm -hmm. lower the efficacy of these brands and just maintain status. Mm -hmm. So they kind of just want to mothball you, basically. It, potentially, yeah, I, I mean, I don't brand. know that for a fact, but it 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 appears that way. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not that familiar with this industry, but when you see those types of things, and I've seen it in technology. Mm -hmm. it, it, that that I know for a fact, where we've we've come up with different ideas where. You know, people will come in and buy them, and, and they bury them, yeah. for various reasons. Historically, that's happened quite a bit too. Uh, one of the big um, in the automotive industry, for example, you know, uh, I think it was San Francisco. You know, the trolley system that they have there is such a legacy. It's like such a iconic thing. Yeah. Well, that used to be everywhere. Yeah. We used to have trolley systems in every city, but then GM and Ford paid lobbyists to go in and say, these things are ruining your cities and be so much better to have a vehicle. Well, obviously with the environmental yeah. impact of that, now we can say, 
clearly that was not the case. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it was much more efficient mm-hmm. to have centralized transit systems. Yeah. But yeah, com- competition is a it's a tricky thing. And when somebody has enough money to just buy away the competition, why not? Right. Why not do it yeah. from yeah. their perspective? I, you know, I you know from a game theory type of perspective, I I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, I built this. I'm going to keep this, and here's how I'm going to do it. Um, I understand it, but I'm I'm kind of a rebel when it comes to the things like that, and I, I don't mind knocking things over every mm-hmm. once in a while. And um, you guys are kind of poking the hornet's nest, though. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we are. But I was I told not to do it too much, but that, yeah. You know, gets purchased by a large corporation that that maintained the value that it did by the original founders. Mm-hmm. And I understand that they cut costs. You know, everything is manufactured in the same, you know, place and they use the same ingredients, they just tweak things, you know, it, mm-hmm. it from a cost perspective, it makes perfect sense running a business, but you know, I feel like it's more important to maintain the original value. Mm-hmm. It's just not you guys. It's just not what you're about. The end right of the day. Mm-hmm. No. I'd, I'd rather you know, us carry the torch and, and let it pass with us than give it away. And it, at least it's somebody, you know, can resurrect it at some point um, as opposed to just burying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't appear right now, considering the, the upward social momentum that you have going on behind the brand, that that's going to happen anytime yeah. soon. I don't think no. uh, I don't think you'd be passing the torch just yet. No. no. So... Um, we have a lot of work to do still. Yeah, and you guys are really working with a lot of influencers. It looks like now. Yes, we are. So you talk about like how do you uh, how is that working? Is it all is it a lot of effort on your end anymore, or is it more are they starting to come to you? They're definitely starting to come to us. You know, at the beginning we reached out to them, but now we don't have time to really reach out to anybody at all. It's just they're approaching us every day, and it's great. Yeah, that's that's something that you can really appreciate because when you first start off and you're and you ask people to you know review or try your stuff, most people just look at you like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then right because yeah. they haven't heard of you or whatever. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to rub your beeswax on my body. Thanks, right. you know. Whatever. Yeah, and it's now to yeah. the point where we're getting bombarded. We can't even keep up with the amount yeah. of people contacting us every day, saying, "Oh my God, I want to try this product so bad," you know, and I want to review it and put it in my blog yeah. and this and that. I, mean, I remember early on there was a, and I mentioned this earlier. Um, one of the beauty editors at a large magazine. Um, was gonna, t- they were gonna take a look at our product because the marketing guy actually said, "Oh my God, you you were this is real." Like, mm-hmm. I this guy repped sixty different companies in the skincare mm-hmm. industry, and we showed him our before and after pictures, and he said, he said this is BS. This is he didn't say BS, but he said this is mm-hmm. BS, and he said this is he goes these are photoshopped or this is fillers, and and I said nope. Um, I said like, time out before we do it, go any further. I do not want to work with you unless you understand our brand. I said, you're going to get a facial and then you're going to go through the slim size thing. And, and the facial, even though this guy was amazing looking, his skin was amazing looking, it was a night and day difference. And I didn't know if that was going to happen with him because you never know. Mm-hmm. And it was, which was a testament to that, uh, to our efficacy. And then we ended up making him lose two inches. And, and I, I don't even like, it seems gimmicky, but it's we use like some maca extracts and stuff and it makes you metabolize some things that are pretty interesting but he went from you know this is this is photoshop to jumping up down going oh my god oh my god oh my god you know this is and then he started calling beauty editors and letting them know hey we got something different and the first one of the first beauty editors just said tell me what to write and i'll write it and yeah. I went, that's like, what happens. Oh, no. it, like, this yeah. is our industry. And and he said, no. He said, this is different. You need to try it. And this particular beauty industry, it, beauty editor, is, it, you know, keeps writing stuff about us and loving our product. And I, it's amazing. To, and then, you know, it's just the same thing. You start off with bloggers and you're like knocking on doors and mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not interested. And then we, and then you get, you know, there's a little bit of rumbling and then this buzz picks up. It's like, hey, there is something different in the, you know, mm-hmm. something interesting's coming. And people start getting interested and they start trying and then, you know, the momentum starts building momentum and then. Well, I think part of that too is based on, you know, you, you say we're, we're always coming at things from a performance standpoint. So 
if a product works, people will fall in love with it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so if you can demonstrate, once you can demonstrate that, yeah. you know, I think that that is just, it naturally makes people want to use it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and you know, we've had so many people come to us with horrendous scars or skin problems and you know, there's this one kid that calls the Renew Face Cream God in a jar because oh, he was attacked by a dog as a young child. What was he, like seven or eight? Fourth grade. Okay. And, yeah. you know, and he had a really deep scar and he had several plastic surgeries. And, you know, he's a cosmetologist, so he's in the industry. He's using a lot of products. He's mm -hmm. tried everything yeah, on the market. Why Y-shaped scar went up and split up. It was yeah, yeah, it was really intense. And it's you on his face. And yeah. and he could not believe that after everything he had tried, nothing worked until he found KPS. And when he tried that reading face cream, he was just amazed at how fast it built up the adipose tissue and filled that area in so that the scar went away. It was really remarkable. And we have story after story after story like this. So it's really exciting. Yeah. And then, yeah, then it it turns from story to reality when people start mm -hmm. trying it, and then mm -hmm. you get yeah. these bloggers, and then the blog instead of us telling us, telling the bloggers our stories, now the bloggers are telling right. each other their About, stories, mm -hmm. and then it's like, yes. okay, we can, we you don't have to push, yeah, you, you're not being pulled. right, and we're changing people's lives. That's what makes us get out of bed every morning to do what we do because we love the fact that we're helping people mm -hmm. in a much more real way than just rubbing some oil on their skin and right. making it retain some water. Exactly. So, yeah. Interesting. So what's next? Where do you go from here? Oh, there's all kinds of places we could go from here. I've got many <laughs> ideas, lots and lots of ideas. The question is, what first? Yeah, and then, you know, first of all, I guess immediately it's just keep the momentum going. Right. Mm -hmm. Keep keep the word coming out. Keep letting people know that what we have, what we can do, um, and then from there, it's like I would really like to have a team of people that I can start training. They can carry the torch techno technologically in this industry and have them work for us and keep keep this moving. Um, that would be really phenomenal. And then. You know, I'd, I've got these other companies too that I'm just chomping at the bit to, that have technology that can really help uh, in medical and all sorts of different industries, and we want to get those rolling. Um, but right now, it's like we we got to keep we've got the momentum. We just got to keep pushing on that. It, momentum builds momentum, but if you you got to steer it, you got to make sure it's it's coming and shape its path. Yeah, shape mm -hmm. path is a good exactly. way to put it. All right. So that's where we're working now. Well, that's not such a bad place to be in. Oh, it's not. <laughs> that's a fact. I mean, you know, it's it's been a it's been a tough road, and is it, we've done a lot of learning. Um, I, I knew nothing about the the skincare industry when I got into got involved in this. I just went from wound care to oh my gosh, I can help people. Um, to oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> what have I gotten involved in? Um, to now, it's like okay, I feel like I'm seasoned and I understand uh, where the industry goes, what what the industry values. We you know we joined the Society of Cosmetic Chemists for a couple of years to figure out where you know where where the goals are for the industry, and they were off doing something kind of weird, and we said okay, that's interesting. That, so we could have gone to that, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of good work out there, but it's it's slow. You know, we can be agile and we can be nimble here um, because you know the decision process here is is made by us. Um, right, it's, and the fact that we're manufacturing our own products right here yeah. mm -hmm. in our own lab, it gives us the ability to control every ingredient that comes in the store so that Ron can test it to make sure that. It is what it says it is. You know, you've got all this COAs, this certificate of analysis, so that you can, especially like essential oils, that's a really important yeah. one to test because you're told that it's pure, but if until you test it, there could be synthetics added that you're not unaware of. And yeah. so it's really important to, to have the ability to test these things so you well, know exactly what's yeah. going in your product. And also you formulate it. Some people just, you know, you, you put X amount of essential oil in and that doesn't, buy it for me uh, there's mm -hmm. certain compounds I'm looking for and certain percentages and crop after crop that varies mm -hmm. right. so I can look at it I just change my formula 
based on that because um, I want to keep I want to maintain those components I don't care about the oil um, it's, it's the it's the it's the ingredient inside the oil that I that I'm really right the oil is just a vehicle to mm -hmm. get it there yeah. okay and I think with my background as a master gardener you know really understanding soil and how things are grown and the components that are involved in that really forces us to look at a deeper level um, where the ingredients are coming from and understanding the origin and exactly what that soil looked like so that we can understand the value in one raw material versus another even though we might you know, have the same, if we're gonna order turmeric, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, we can really narrow it down by looking at a deeper level, you know, what that soil looked like, so we can choose which one is more has more value to us. Interesting. So, you know, there's another piece of this that you, you mentioned earlier, kind of in passing, but working with doctors, um, do they help to inform any of the creations that you're, you're making? Do they have any sort of input in that? Not really. Um, I suppose they, what I really mean is, are they a part of the, hey, we have, you know, when you're approaching an orphan skin condition, yeah. um, you know, do they have any insights into what might be beneficial from, you know, from their perspective based on current available medicines or things like that? Like, does that ever inform sort of a launching point for you? You know, it. the interesting thing is it's, it's when you, when you've got an orphan, um, skin condition or any kind of orphan problem with your body it's really not looked at that much mm -hmm. so what these guys are doing is they really like the fact that we'll roll up our sleeves and try and help so and then with my test background I can look at things and I can make I can change some I can change ingredients and see what I see see what works so see what doesn't and you know initially we'll come through and they'll explain a condition to me and tell me what they think it might be and but it's it's a guess and what i'll end up doing is like some of these conditions i'll i'll take a look and see if anybody's done like you know skin cross sections or those types of things so i can at least look at it from a cellular level and see if there's anything that i can see from that other physiology side of my world uh, that might give me an idea on what types of ingredients might work. Um, and then we kind of, we, so far, I'll knock on wood, but um, so far I've been able to narrow it down fairly quickly um, because most problems that in, I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a, um, a dual Nobel Prize winner, and there's only a few of them, but um, he was in the medical industry and in the medical side of research, and he was saying that all, all, um, all diseases and problems with the body are a lack of nutrients, and I believe that. Um, so what I do is I try and approach it from a nutrient standpoint, and I try and figure out things that can, where the body, where the body can, uh, can actually do what it's supposed to do. Because, you know, there's kind of this thing in skincare. It's like you can't heal anything. And the fact is we aren't healing anything. We don't heal anything. Kind um, of a facilitator. Yeah, we, we provide the skin what we think is healthy for the skin. And if, and the skin reacts in a healthy way. Um, mm -hmm. That's what's going on. Well, and the body's designed to heal itself. So when you feed mm -hmm. it what it knows everything we use every, every ingredient is as close to the earth as possible which is 99.9 percent .9 of everything we use right so it's already grown from the earth which means our body knows how to assimilate it now chemicals your body views as a foreign object and doesn't know what to do with all these chemicals so kind of throws them all over the place and doesn't you know Mm -hmm. It's just not good. It's not. Uh, the chemicals force their way to, into certain things and they right. shut down certain enzymes. It, it, it's just yeah, a it's weird, just a it's a weird problem. Way. Well, ultimately unnecessary, right? It, it's an unnecessary, it's an artificial problem that's created, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And if you look at, you know, if you look at probably 90% of what you would go for a doctor for, um, if you had good nutrition, you wouldn't be there. 
Mm-hmm. So, and but I get the fact that you know some people just don't either know or they don't you know sometimes it's a little more cumbersome to make your food every time mm-hmm. as opposed to ripping the top off a box and throwing in the microwave. Um, yeah, we live in a culture with food deserts, literally. Yeah. So it's it's uh, does make it challenging yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And it you know for it's sure. providing an opportunity for us to help through this skin. Um, and to be honest, it would you know if people ate better, um, we wouldn't be as efficacious to the, to your skin. Now, if the problem with our food supply is we've stripped out all the minerals out of the soil, and you literally can't get there from where we are today, mm-hmm. so we need to fix that problem too. I don't know if we ever will. So just little things like that. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. So I feel like we've probably could go on for days here, right? (laughs) In this in this introductory episode, I feel like we could go on for days talking about your backgrounds and where we want to go. Um, But I think we should cut it there. And then next week, we're going to be joined by uh, Jenna Hibbler. Is that correct? Yeah. And she is a naturopathic doctor Mm -hmm. with who now? So she works at Mercy Health, and she also is the wellness director for Clean Juice. Okay, great. And what uh, what should our listeners be expecting to hear? You know, we're going to talk about cellulite, what it is, and how our products can reduce the appearance, as well as the proper way to detox. Yeah. And I think that I think she's probably going to talk about the nutritionally how to handle it too. So mm-hmm. there's a few things there, and then I think we'll probably end up spinning a few things. She's really sharp. I think we'll end up doing some fun stuff there too. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And along with clean juice as well. So much yeah. more to look forward to next week, future weeks. Absolutely. Join us on the Roots to Rocket Science podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye.